and welcome to the 123rd edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 8, Episode 15, The Russian Knot. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I'm Tessa. And how did you like the episode? I, I liked it a whole lot better than last week's. It was fun. It was quick. Um... There were some moments where I went, well, that doesn't really add up. Okay. Um, and it, it was it was interesting. I definitely liked it more than last week, put it that way. Okay. How about um, you? I, <laughs> I liked it last week better uh, because it, it, it had some answers. I don't think that we got a lot of answers out of this one. There was not a lot of mythology. It was fun. You know, I love the uh, the, the heist. It was fun. And, you know, I was uh, I love to see any cipher machines especially because it reminded me so much of the fulcrum. Yes. 100%. Um, and uh, you know, the whole thing was fun. I love uh, Professor Belsky and um and definitely love to see Townsend when he goes into this crazy stuff that he does. Oh um, I so loved I, Max's reaction. Well, he is creepy. <laughs> yes, Max. Thank you for calling. calling yeah, I call. think that when somebody puts you in a punching bag and beats the hell out, out of you, creepy is not exactly the word that I will reach for. But you know but what? But he is creepy. Yes, I mean, the man is, is creepy. creepy. Very creepy. Do you want to start with that? That Let's very start with dream. Oh my god. Okay. That gets to my top two list of creepy stuff on the blacklist. Oh, for the whole blacklist. For the whole blacklist. Of all the creepy stuff. Dr. Lake and Perillos and Townsend with a dream come to my top two. All right. First question, and just to recap, so that, you know, because Tessa and I watch it a couple times, sometimes three times, and so I, I know that not everybody that listens does that. So just to recap, the dream that he had, Liz is in the middle of this. Townsend may or may not know what she's after because we had that whole, I, I can get proof, but then she told Wrestler later that Townsend had no idea what she was doing. So who really knows about that? Um... But she's there with Max. She's trying to steal the cipher. And Townsend calls. She tells him she doesn't have time. And he tells her this elaborate dream. Just just her. Tells her not to interrupt him because he'll forget it. Yeah. And then he's he in a wedding. And he's about to congratulate the bride and groom. And then he realizes it's not a wedding. It's a funeral. And he hates funerals. But then it finds like she grabs his hand. Remember I was telling that I was shipping them? <laughs> well, there you go. And he grabs his hand, her hand, and then he knows that he's going to be okay. I mean, the man <laughs> was crazy before. Now he's going to a whole new level. And this is after the bag over the face and the lineup of men with bags over their heads and stabbing and him women. and... Uh, was there a lady in there, too? Yeah. I only saw dudes. Um, and by the way, do you imagine that Liz was having a little bit of flashbacks with that between the bag over the face and stabbing? I mean, she had to have been flashing yeah. back to Ian Garvey. 
that that was a very straight shot to Ian Garvey and his the goons, and also to being suffocating in the box when she was in season three. So it's like all the things that have happened to her um, and to Tom. And, and yeah. Tom had a thing for being stabbed in the stomach. Yeah, he, he got stabbed. Uh, yeah, because uh, the pilot, he got stabbed yeah. in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, uh, I mean, that was a seriously crazy man. And it and he reminds me. Open caskets make him squeamish. Yeah. After everything he does, it's open caskets is where he draws the line. Well. Everybody got their own thing. Sometimes it's open caskets. I myself find open caskets creepy as hell. So in there, I am right there with him. But of course, I don't murder people with putting bags in their... I mean, I don't murder people, period. But even if I did murder people, I doubt that that would be my my go-to. Which you don't. We would just like to be clear on yeah. this podcast. If I if I did that, which I don't, I'm a generally a law-abiding person. Um, the funny thing, though, with that scene with the bags is that we have had a few people being killed with bags over their heads, and it's generally Mr. a death Gray. for traitors. Yeah, we had Mr. Gray. We had um, Jolene uh, Parker. Levi. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a tarp, but yeah, she was suffocated. Yeah. Um, and then you also had Levi. Yep. Yep. And but they what? were going to do that to Liz, which is interesting because, you know, is this cop who's doing the same, I guess, uh, I guess he's dirty, but she's not, as, I don't know. But there was a whole thing with the backs over the head that, that to me was like, boy, this is reaching down in back into way into season one when he kills Newton Phillips, which is the first one who dies with a bag. And then of course a death with Levi, which was like I was applauding it. I like Again, it. I'm a law abiding citizen, but that one was good. But what did you think of that dream though? What what did you take away from that dream? Because I, I was I, I've been very curious on your take for the dream. I I didn't analyze it that closely. The impression I got from it is that Townsend is getting very comfortable with Liz. And he he's developing a kind of of love hate relationship with her. She's very complex because she's still he wanted to kill her and he'd been dreaming with her. And now she's been dreaming with her in another way, but it's just developing into a little obsession here. And I'm wondering if at some point this is going to turn into Katarina and start seducing him for, you know, for something. It just, um, it's giving me that vibe. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but after hearing you say that you ship them, it makes me nauseated. Oh, it's not that I about. ship them, but if I were a shipper, definitely that level of craziness of both matches. <laughs> Although I'm going to say it would be a hard toss between wrestler on this episode and Townsend. <laughs> Who was thinking less? <laughs> yeah. With the yeah. appropriate, <laughs> appropriate 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a tough if I had to say, you know, pick Liz's next uh, uh, partner um, or whatever you want to call that that she does. Yeah, that would be a toss. <laughs> Where we go. So what was your take on that dream? Uh, I have a pen in it for now. It's It was very interesting, especially how much stock he puts into this dream. So he doesn't sleep a lot and therefore doesn't dream a lot. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you, if you don't sleep much and you crash out, you tend to not remember your dreams. If you go to bed just absolutely exhausted, you tend to not remember as much of your dreams because... Mm-hmm your brain is just out and it's not that you aren't dreaming it's that you don't remember them and so my guess is he doesn't i don't know if he remembers a lot of his dreams but i find it interesting that he puts as much stock into it he was threatening to murder her at the beginning of the episode because she'd failed him and this is what he does to people who fail him you but know, he felt so, safe with her. That's yeah, the most but, interesting thing. But it's like this dream, instead of coming out of it and going, huh, well, that was weird. He goes, I've seen the light. I now trust you. This is a good sign, Elizabeth. And I'm going, hey, you're batshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that has been established. And I, the funny thing is when he she comes back at the end and throws the bag over his head and he's all kind of mad... He's looking at her like, man, there's something else. <laughs> it was, yeah. He I think I like her more. <laughs> that was not the intention Liz had, but you know, hey, never <laughs> gets the, hey, the point across. Everybody got their own thing. <laughs> I, I loved the scene at the end with her walking in. Like, why has she not had her little posse with her from the beginning? She should always, if she's going to meet him face to face, she should always have. I think she had begun to trust him, and that was a mistake. That absolute mistake. So I love that she walked in there. She had backup. She had people with her, and she walks in there and just throws the bag over his head. And I'm like, yes! I was cheering, cheering so hard for her on that one. I just, oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. So it, it reminded me a little bit. It had a little twinge of red in that scene yeah red tends to do things it's it's a little more elegant of course it's older because he would tend to do that and then there would be no anger in his voice it would be just like hey if you ever do that again this is what's gonna happen okay now would you like a cigar (laughs) something (laughs) like that just it would be you know and and that's a that's a special red menace it's it's that mix between that incredible violence that he can project and then that total pull back from it into normalcy. Yeah. And I think that it was fascinating to watch Liz do that because you do have a very different take with people and she's, this isn't the first time she's threatened people and she's, she's had a much calmer demeanor before when she was threatening, um, Kriloff that time with the the full Mm -hmm. needle that that was a very calm very collected I'm in control here yes my partner's life is hanging in the balance but I am in full control of everything I think this speaks to the heightened state Liz is functioning in nonstop 
And so, which brings around another thing that I was very disappointed in in the episode. Mm-hmm. Bringing Kate up last week, especially the way that they did it, felt so intentional and kind of odd coming off of, because you had 804 into 814. And so the fact that she spent 804 thinking about Tom with the washer, talking about how, uh, you know, she wishes that Tom could have known Agnes the way she is now and he was a lot better at this than she is, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that in, for her, you know, just the next night, she's talking to Kate in her head, you know, looking for help on this. It was a little odd. But... Okay, let, let's, you know, because I, I think that last week's was much, it was definitely a a notch in the Kate screwed with her head category, mm-hmm. but then it was just gone this week. And so it was very strange to acknowledge that, I mean, and even if it's that Susan couldn't come back for the episode or something, which is totally valid, you, I have no idea what her, her schedule's like. But even if that was the case, there are ways that you could have shown that. I think what is interesting about the lack of Kate in this episode is Liz doesn't seem to have a Kate thing going on when um, Skip is not around. Now with Essie, um, Essie definitely seems shaded to me. I can't. I mean, he, last week she, you know, she was pushing this, this, in this episode, she was like, you know, I think that you're a little insane. I think that both Essie and Skip are getting to the idea that, well, this chick is one side of crazy. She's going to get us killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that, that it would, it would not have been appropriate because she had a, it was, it was about kill, kill Kill Red. Kill Red is very much a Kate thing. Kate didn't want him to, you know, there was nothing in there about outing him as a traitor or whatever it is that she's doing. I think that the Kate thing was Kill kill Red. So once she goes into the Kill Red, it's like she's in Kate mode. Now she's not. Now she's in, let's prove and let's go into my mom's stuff. It turns out that my mom has this locker with all this ads and she's been decrypting stuff so little blonde cat has been very uh busy all these <laughs> yes. years well i mean she's got it's it seems to be at least in part like the evidence she got back after tom's death in season uh, in 5b when she when the the detective that was working the case brought all of that stuff back and Liz was able to go to the lockbox and get information there were all these scrawled notes she didn't know what they all meant they were pieces and parts that mm-hmm. he had he had jotted down for himself that he knew what they meant but because he wasn't there she couldn't say hey babe what does this mean and it's the same way with blonde cat she's got these pieces and you know, half codes that maybe she knew them all, maybe she didn't. It's very difficult to say because Liz can't ask her. And mm-hmm. to be fair, even if she could ask her, who knows what Blonde Cat would say. Yeah, but there is all this crazy stuff that she's going into this machine and she goes and asks uh, 
and there is something about the law, the the Russian nod. So she goes and asks this this expert in decryption. The expert in decryption uh, immediately calls Dembe and tells him that somebody has been inquired about the Russian knot. And so, you know, Red goes there, finds out that it's Liz, finds out that Liz left with him that that uh, folder of ads. And Red is like, oopsie, oopsie, we got to get that uh, other one back. And so Red has one, the friend in the East has one. And the one that they stole, which I, I always love their heist episodes. Mm-hmm. They Blacklist writes a good heist. But the one they stole was just the only other one. And that, that was the purpose of going for it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So the one interesting thing is that they ha- it's all about ads. And remember that Red and Dembe also communicate through ads in the local paper, Tuba Mouthpiece for Sale. Yeah. That's the code. I feel like, I don't know why, but I want to say Sam had something like that too. Maybe not. No. I think I'm getting, no, I'm getting that mixed up with another, uh, another spy show I like. Yeah. No, there was nothing else. But it's, it's curious that um, his ex-wife, or Naomi, or you, whatever you want to call her, uh, did have a subscription to Cat Fanatic and Wall Street Journal. And Lena Volkova had a subscription to Foreign Affairs. So all these people are hiding and all have subscriptions to magazines. It's interesting. Yeah. And so uh, what, what did you think about the quote... Uh, on the billboard. Love is a knot that even death cannot untie. I thought it was a, it's it's definitely a throw to something. I don't know what that something is. I mean, it it sounded like a Hallmark card, like Cooper said. Um, It also has that, um, you know, like love wins. Mm -hmm. But it also... Reminded me a little bit of what Red said about Katerina Rostova that, you know, betraying her would be like betraying myself. It had a something about a very Russian sound. I don't know how to put it, but, you know, of all the Russian plays and Russian literature that I've read, that just had a little bit of that. I could see that. Definitely weird, but you had a different idea. Oh, it's, my brain went immediately to Keen Squared. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it may have nothing to do with it, but yeah, my brain definitely went to it. It's because if Tom is alive, which is something that I'm I'm very interested in that theory. Uh, if he is, then that's and we we've seen strange things left almost like easter eggs like the tom and liz on the on the uh park bench yeah Yeah, with i think tom's birthday on it uh if memory serves the date was his birthday and so little things like that it just it's i'd like to stick a pin into it because i do think it means something um i and i am 
fully capable of admitting that it may just be my shipper brain missing Tom, you know, that makes me go there. It could also be something with Katerina because, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't know if she's dead or alive or whatever it is, but it, it certainly had something there. Um, it could also be about Red missing Anne. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was weird. Um, should we talk about Rudiger? I love Max. I was really, I had sort of a roller coaster with him in this because clearly he was working with Liz to stay out of the boss's heavy bag. Mm-hmm. You know, there was still sort of this old lightness. Yeah, lightness, chipperness, camaraderie. You know, I mean, they know each other. They've worked together mm-hmm. before. They, you know, he he does not seem to be holding what. Townsend did to him against Liz. Even though Liz was the one who went and got him. I was And like, I was surprised. Yeah. I was very surprised about that. But then again, it, there's always time for a bomb. <laughs> uh, I mean, he enjoys doing that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought it was really cool that he was the one that was creating this and doing this. And um, honestly, when, when they were in Minsk together and he said, oh, no, I got to go back for the stuff. Uh, oh, he's gone. He's running. And he's going to go, and he's going to escape, and he's going to go looking for Red and go save me, save me, save me. Um, and hope that Red doesn't kill him, kill him, kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was absolutely shocked when he came back and knocked Park upside the back of the head. Mm. I, yeah, I, I, I guess that he's more like, I'm going to stay alive, and I'll do whatever it is to stay alive. Uh, but I miss the way he worked with Red, and I thought he's not going to do well with Liz because Liz has no concept of loyalty. So I don't know. I mean, but it was definitely fun to see him, and his expressions are always great when he's like exploding things. He's like, he was like a small child when it finally disintegrated. <laughs> so exciting. And I'm I like, when it. he's putting that charge and wrestling is on top, he's like, oh, my God, he's going to get blown up again. What's wrong with his man? <laughs> Let's go into wrestler, unless you have anything extra for Max. No, like, I don't have anything for Max. Um, oh, wrestler. Rest. <laughs> Sweetie. I it just... Honestly, if you have to write a character this far out of character to get them together with somebody, there's something wrong. I don't think they need to... They're not even putting them together. It's just... It's, you know what? No. I don't want... I'm not, not going to say he's out of character. This is right where he would. He was going from the very beginning. He's just not this dumb, though. Oh, uh, dearie. Everybody is dumb. <laughs> When they're thinking with the wrong body part. That's, he is certainly thinking with the wrong body part. And, I mean, some of it is loyalty. He, he is loyal, and I bless him for it in a very southern, oh, bless his heart sort of way. Yes, <sighs> I mean, you cannot forget that Liz knows where the body's buried. That's true, but I don't get the impression it's that. He doesn't... Oh, he isn't very enthusiastically going with it, but there is... It's, you know, you always have the carrot and the stick. Yeah. And in this case, he has the carrot. We can call it a carrot. 
Um, <laughs> we ain't as a stick. Uh, he's just, you know. But but you know, if you really think about wrestler, I mean, he started by what he thought was killing his father's murder, then letting his brother cover it up. And then despising his brother for not being the upright guy that he became after his brother cleaned up his mess. It just feels like, and then he was a holier than thou, um, you know, I'm the cleanest of the clean. And you know that he was going there. He's just so fully compromised. He can't swim out of this one. Yeah, it's. I mean, running after Liz. No, Liz, please, come back. I didn't know this. I was like, please, an ounce of dignity. Please preserve an ounce of dignity by at least pretending. Was it? Was it Panna Baker that told him to look for his dignity? Yeah. (laughs) See if you find your dignity somewhere. I did. I have to say, I loved the red coats. Like, that. I, I looked at it. I was like. Okay, yeah, that's she's a, got Thomas a cap on In New York City, why is she wearing a bright red coat? This is New York City. Of course she's going to stand out. And so I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, everybody's wearing red coats. And I went, oh, I got it. And I love it. I yeah. got it. I love it. Thomas Crown Affair. I've actually never seen it. Oh, that's I know. I need movie. to. I need yeah. to. It's a very um, fun movie. Um, and it had two things. And he had the, the, stolen, the stolen painting that Red is using that donated to the museum and then had them go and remove it in order to give it back to the people. It, it was just a very Thomas Crownish affair. It was fun. I, I love that nod. Yeah, I just, it was a lot of fun to see that. It was a lot of fun to watch her, her go with it. And... And what are some of these people disposing of their phones that have all that information? Like, excuse me. I mean, can you just tell this woman, just grab my phone and I'll grab it on the way back? I'll leave it here on the bench. I'm not going to put it in the trash can. Are you crazy? You can't even get iPhones anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, so does he just expect someone to come up behind him and and get it for him? I mean, hey, Park, you're you're good with dumpster diving, right? (laughs) Yeah, just put your hand in a trash can in New York City. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to come away with any diseases. Yeah. No, none at all. Or find any sharp objects or Ugh, needles. Things. You know. Yeah, no. Uh, I do think that they picked a fantastic location to to pull that off on. I love that bridge in New York. Like, it's, it's a lot of fun. And... The, the placing for that was absolutely phenomenal. And it's great that Cooper was not, I mean, he was like looking at wrestlers straight in the face. Cooper is now playing his own game because he's playing red. Like, yeah, we're all policy policies when you're, we're not in the post office. And then in the post office is you're a traitor and I don't want anything to do with you. And then he's like, sure, wrestler, we're not going to go after Liz. Turn wrestling around, get a team. Well, it reminded me of season seven where he told Liz that the guns were going to be in her truck because he didn't trust Liz not to tell Red. In this situation, he didn't trust Wrestler not to tell Liz. 
Yep. Yeah, this this was uh this was fun. Yeah, Cooper was like right on and 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 I think that he's also having wrestler follow because wrestler said stop following me. So he's having wrestler followed. Maybe he is or maybe someone else is because I mean Cooper didn't confirm that he That's was following. That's true. Him. That is very good. Yes. So, I mean, while well, I can 100% believe it, he did not confirm it, ergo, it is not in the fact column now, yet. Let me put this to you, because let's say one thing of of mythology and, and general theory that I found in this episode. So Red goes through this elaborate charade of creating a, this fake ad in order to tell Cooper that, hey, you know, it's not me. She's communicating with some thing and you're going to get her, blah, 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 blah. And then tells Cooper how to decode it. Correct? Well, yeah, he told didn't... them, like, you substitute the little letter, you know, is the, num- the number is the, num- the letter. So you put the letter. He's, he has to be thinking, wrestler will go straight to Liz and tell her to read it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I right? mean... He, he's been setting Wrestler up to do stuff yeah. like that. That's just and the Wrestler's same thing that Liz did when when he told Wrestler about um, about Marvin being the one who yeah. who gave her the money, who stole it for her. So this one feels to me like Red was setting Wrestler to tell her how to decode the message, and it wouldn't it wasn't a jump to think Cyrillic. I mean, it's Russian. Hello. Yeah. The first time you decode the thing, it makes no sense. You start thinking, hmm, maybe the wrong alphabet. So what exactly was Red's play? Because what it seems was not. I mean, that made no sense. Because the task force eventually is going to realize, wait a minute, where we play? Because if Liz tells them, listen, this was a real message. Um, or is, is doing that setting list up for something? I think it's probably setting Liz up for something in which I have to go, hey, wrestler, how does it feel to be a pawn to everybody around you? Poor Russ. Mm-hmm. I just leave poor wrestler alone. <laughs> yeah. And Russ not being This dumb. is not looking good for wrestler. I got to say. Oh, God. I love him. And, I... and you know that the moment that Liz double crosses Townsend, you know who he's going to go for, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, because I don't think he'll be able to get to Agnes. And so he'll go for somebody on the task force, which will end up being wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's definitely not pretty. Um, so do we want to jump to red? Yeah, let's let's jump to red. Um, do you think Anne's alive? You know, when I was watching the episode the first time, I was sure that she was dead. Henri watches that first time that he says had a daughter and then has a daughter. It has to mean that she's not dead. And he either, she's either in a coma or he stashed her away and fake her death or whatever. Yeah. Also um, because how come that nobody had notified the daughter if the daughter still has the same phone? Well, I mean, the daughter's in hiding. Um but Red found so, I mean, him through a phone. That's true. And an address. So, I mean, clearly she, it was on file somewhere that was 
non-spy related. Like, it's not like he went to Paula, who went to somebody in the phone company. And so to find found, the address for a phone. Or... So, yeah, so she had it under her own name. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not like she was hiding very well. No. But, no, I, I absolutely believe that Anne's alive after that episode. As soon as they had had a daughter, has a daughter. It was it was very pointed. I don't know mm-hmm. if they thought the audience wouldn't catch it if they just said, has a daughter. Yeah. Um, and, and then Bez attitude was like, well, you have to put that behind you. I mean, yeah. that's, that's it. She's dead. And she's staying dead. You're not seeing her again. That's enough. <laughs> it reminded me of 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 Dembe always pulling him back, and I have a I, I've said I think I've said this before, but I always have the feeling that Dembe is the one pulling him back to the mission. Like no 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 no, we're doing some job here. Keep your mind on the job and forget about the women. No, you're not gonna run away with Madeline. No, you're not gonna run away with Cassandra. Can we please forget about Josephine? Let's keep straight on what we're doing. Yeah, um, it was really interesting because the the whole interaction between Emma, Anne's daughter, and Red reminded me of the conversation that Red and Liz had in season two in the Tom Keen episode when she donated all that money to the Harbor Master's daughter because mm-hmm. she felt guilty. It wasn't directly her fault. I mean, she wasn't the one that snapped the man's neck. But she was, it was because she kept... She made Tom. those events yeah. happen. Yeah, it was the, the ripple effect of she chose to keep Tom and to keep him there. And then this guy broke in. She couldn't get rid of him. And in order to protect her, Tom killed him. And Anne, whether she's in a coma or in hiding, wherever she is, what happened to her happened because Red couldn't leave her out of it. He he. He was selfish. He could, yeah, he, he was too wrapped up in it and he couldn't do it. Exactly. And so it reminded me this, because when he said, you know, you That's can... That's what it says, do the scholarship. Exactly. That yeah. was the one that keyed me And then it was about it. the play because Anne loved plays. Um, it, it was, um, you know, it also, like, he's like, I, I, I think that, that um, Emma knew very well who Red was. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, um, but I, because, I mean, would she have been brave enough to say that kind of stuff to him? <laughs> I, she I honestly, to, she looked to me very spunky to me. Yeah, but there's a difference in spunky, and maybe she thought that he worked for Reddington. And so she was hoping it would get back to him. I don't it was, know. It was very interesting because of the way that Red took responsibility for this, which is which is a marked difference between Liz saying, oh, yeah, I'm responsible for this and this. And I don't have anything to show for it. But there is no remorse. There's no real remorse. Like, oh, my God, I've done something wrong. It's just like, hey, you know what? I did it. I got nothing for it. Like, you know what, if I'm going to be torturing somebody, at least I should be getting something out of it. It seems very transactional, which is very funny because it's the same thing that he, she was accusing Red of. Yeah, I mean, in a large way, I do. I agree with her that Red's transactional, though, in a huge way, especially with her. He's transactional. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> should we go into, into uh, Paula? Because... 
this episode had a very bright moment. I okay, so I love the actress that plays Paula. Um, I've seen her on a lot of stuff recently. She was on New Amsterdam. She's on another show I watch called Prodigal Son. Um, and so when she popped up as Glint's mom, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, she's a character actress. She's she's a lot of fun. But the more we've seen her, the more I love her. I just I love that. Of course, Glenn was writing a memoir. Why of wouldn't course. he? <laughs> and and the way she let him know, like I I see Tambay and Raymond. <laughs> Yeah, that would be, I mean, the fact that he's calling you by your real name, that's pretty good. I mean, she seems, I I don't think she's got quite the obnoxious streak that Glenn had. Um, No, she's very likable. Yeah, she's very likable. But I mean, I just, precious woman, you know, that she was in her dollars I know, and Red's looking at her like. And I'll pay them back. I just, I loved Red's, like, is that it? Like, he was expecting a full shakedown. It's <laughs> $172. And I love when he says, you know, it, it's about a, you, you work as a phone company? <laughs> and you, you see the light bulb turning, turning, yes. <laughs> I got I just, my next tracker. I, I think that in a lot of ways, this is going to help both of them feel closer to, to Glenn now that he's gone. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's that connection that Paula's going to be able, because she's clearly very good at it. She may never have known it up until this point, but she's she's shown that she's very good at it. She has a, an instinct for it. And yeah, and so, she's even seducing guys. She's like, oh, for, and now I need to be reimbursed for the, for the dinner because he wanted to go Dutch. Oh, I just, I love that. Oh, I don't remember the guy's name, but... Uh, Ernie? Red's react Ernie, I think so, yeah. Just Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. <laughs> Red's reaction was priceless. Yeah. I so he yeah. got himself a new the new tracker that can even find stuff. And I'm sure that, that between him and Tadashi they can uh, they can basically get to anybody. I it was a very funny uh, episode. I mean just, I have that, that thing about the the it's like he, it has to mean something else. It just has to. What? mean that he wants Liz to be able to decode some of those of something um, because why give her how to by telling it to Cooper and then Cooper gives it to wrestler knowing and I think rest, Cooper had to know that it's almost like they're gearing up to give Liz a code so that she will decode it Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she will go to some place and then they get her and they're using Wrestler for it. It, it, it. Do you think that Cooper is doing his own thing or is Cooper really allied with Red and they're pretending sort of like they did with Kirk to that he's mad with Red? I don't know. I mean, because I thought that that Red made an awfully large assumption, assuming that Cooper is on his side. I think he is it's a possibility that they're they're playing that because we've seen him do it before but i i do think that cooper feels like red has pushed list to this point and holds him at least partially responsible for what's going on right now clearly liz is an adult woman she's making decisions on her own but that doesn't mean that there's not responsibility held Mm-hmm. in someone that has pushed her to these limits, in the way that he's pushed her to these limits. 
I think that there is a, a there's a possibility that Cooper is playing his own game. But there is also a possibility that Red took Denver's advice to bring him in and tell him what they're doing. Maybe, um, but remember Panabaker's statement, um, you know, several weeks ago. Uh, I guess it was back in eight oh three oh four, where Panabaker said that um, that Reddington thought he was handling Cooper, but really Cooper's handling Reddington, and nobody's the wiser. And I think that there's a possibility that's what Coop's doing right now. Yeah, he, I mean, we don't know, but there's definitely something going on with Cooper that is more than meet the eye. Um, and he's definitely decided to get Lizzie in, which is uh, good for him. Uh, and, you know, the only one who's not on, on board with that is Wrestler. So this is very interesting because now Liz has his own um, mole in the task force, except with one yeah, but everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're using it. Well, she's, yeah, it's just 30. Hello. Just, you know. You being in the 60s, that would be a whole different story, but you gotta give her 20 years to get home the stuff. That's true. That's true. But it, it reminds me of, of uh, Samar when she first came aboard. I mean, everybody knew Red had got her there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this is very obvious. And I mean, all I needed today for that episode was Panna Baker back. Oh. Because, I mean, if Panabaker had seen Wrestler running with a little machine, no, Liz, come back. No, Liz, please. I would have loved to see <sighs> Panabaker's comment on that. Just the commentary. I love the commentary. Mm. Yeah. So you got something else? I don't. Nope, that about wraps it up. Yeah, I have just a, the. I think that I made this comment on how the situation with Berlin reminds me of the situation with Townsend. Mm-hmm. Um, how we have, like, if you think about what the whole thing with Berlin, because Fitch, what Fitch did is basically saying, you know what, I'm going to get this this man's daughter. I'm going to fake her death. She's going to be okay. I'm not killing anybody. I'll just make him believe that she's dead and then He'll compromise himself and they will ship him to Siberia and will be out of my way. So that's a kind of like light plan in which nobody gets killed. But then somebody sent him bones. And it wasn't it wasn't Fitch, because Fitch was protecting Red, pretending that Red has a death switch that he doesn't have because he's lacking one of the parts. That's like having the, the Russian knot if you don't have the ad or having the ad without having the Russian knot. You don't, it's useless. So it felt to me like that. Like, like there was somebody else that took advantage of that. And Berlin had no proof that it was Reddington. Zero, nothing. There were rumors. And based on those rumors and the pain of receiving body parts for years, that guy got out of prison and got into a single-minded thing of finding Red and Red family and killed them. And Townsend seemed to have gone on on pretty much the same thing because the story, as he tells it, makes no sense. I mean, if you're going to make somebody, a, you know, a, 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 an example, you kill them, not their family. And if you want to keep them quiet, you kill one, not all of them, because then what's 
the leverage. You just remove your leverage. You basically give them every possible reason to sing like a cannery. So on the basis of somebody saying that it was Katerina Rostova, this guy put millions into hunting Katerina Rostova on nothing. So I'm wondering if at the end there is going to be somebody who made Townsend into a raving lunatic wanting death without any proof that that's the person that was responsible. The puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if it's the same person because the modus operandi seems pretty much the same. Someone going after both Red and, and Katarina. Katarina. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made a lot of enemies back in their, their heightened spy days. Yeah, well, especially if they were two Katarinas. You know, that's fun when it's about like, hey, I can take advantage of your friends. It's not so fun when they're both piling enemies because now you have twice the enemies. <laughs> and most of them, you have no idea where they're chasing you. You know, it's not like I say, hey, you know what? There was another Katarina that was in me. They're going to say, oh, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, honey. <laughs> Sure. I believe you. Wrong, wrong Katarina. That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's all I got. It was a fun episode. Yep. Um, so you guys can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can talk to us on Facebook, on Twitter, Tumblr, and test us on Reddit. And until next week. So next week. Bye-bye. Oh, Bye. oh, and by the way, we will be late next week. Apologies. I will be traveling. Oh, that's right. So yep. we, will, we will have that later in the week. Yeah. And so we will not be our usual. But we, we're not party. abandoning you guys. Nope. Nope. We will be there as soon as we can. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.